Hey all, thank you for tuning into Women Birders Happy Hour. My name is Hannah. I'm a birder, a woman, and someone that enjoys a good drink after a long day of birding. Women have been integral to birding since it started, but we haven't always been recognized for the contributions and impact we have. Men have dominated the guiding scene, festival circuit, leadership positions, and publications. And according to a U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service 2011 report, in the U.S., there were over 47 million birders. The majority of these birders are college-educated, they are white, they are women, and mostly are over the age of 55. And if you put all these factors together, we create the typical birder, a white, college-educated woman over the age of 55. And that's a demographic that I often see out birding, but I don't as frequently see as a speaker, a guide, or a sole publisher. Additionally, the voices of all women, BIPOC, and LGBTQ plus birders are not well represented in the birding voices we hear from. So I created this show to bring in more voices. Not to say that some of the regular festival keynotes aren't great, but there is room for others. And on the show, I'm asking everyday women from all walks of life to join me to discuss their experiences, their resources, and advice that they have for others. And I want you to remember that just because you may not have experienced some of these things, like sexism or gatekeeping, doesn't mean that they aren't real issues that others face. And because some of these conversations are best had over a cocktail or a mocktail, I also create a unique cocktail for each guest in case you want to mix yourself a drink and join us for this chat. One of the things about doing this podcast that's been really amazing and unexpected for me was at the end of our interviews, um, I'll turn off the mic, you know, go about my day. And a lot of these women that I've been interviewing email me afterwards and say, you know, thank you. Thank you for letting me share my story. But then they also will recommend someone that I should talk to, which I think is just really cool. How many individuals are out there who are like, you know, I'm so glad you recognize me and here are some other people you should recognize too. You know, most people I talk to, if I ask them, like, tell me about a woman birder, you know, they will have just these endless stories about amazing women who are out there doing cool things. And whether they're photographers or professionals, um, researchers, or just hobbyists, you know, there are incredible women out there who are contributing in a huge amount to the birding community. And I just think that's amazing. And we have this whole network around the world of all these incredible people who are doing stuff and don't always get recognized. And so I'm so glad with this podcast, I'm able to do that. And then when folks like Nat, you know, send me an email afterwards and say, here's somebody else you should highlight. I just think that's really cool that they're, you know, passing that on and want to make sure that other people are being heard and getting their name out there. So Nat is someone who was actually recommended to me from my friend Stephanie, who got her PhD in New Zealand, which is super cool. Um, I really wanted to go out and see her and all the incredible stuff she was doing. I just never had the chance. So I will have to get to New Zealand and go see Nat, who has had an incredible experience with the great women birders in her area that she can look up to and learn from, including her very first birding outing that she wasn't a birder until she got done with it. Um, So you'll have to listen in for more of that. But it sounds like it was an incredible trip with some great women birders. So Nat has a lot of experience with a particular species of bird called the Chatham Island Black Robin, which is something, you know, I had never heard of, um, but I'm so glad I did because it has an incredible story. 
It's an endangered bird that live, that's located in the Chatham Islands off of the east coast of New Zealand. And there's a species where I live called the rentit, which um, lore has it. It doesn't fly across the Columbia River, and so they don't exist in Washington State, just north of me in Oregon, because their wings can't get them all the way up there. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, um, but their flight capacity is reduced, much like the Chatham Island Black Robin. And that's something that restricts their range. And it also evolved in the absence of mammals, so it is vulnerable to introduced species. It's a small black sparrow-sized bird with brownish-black yellow-soled feet. In their range, they live in low-altitude scrub forest remnants and are entirely insectivores feeding on the forest floor or low in the scrub. And they have good night vision and even forage at night. There are territorial species, males patrol and defend their territories, and females have even been known to chase other females away. So to make your cocktail, um, your Chatham Island Black Robin, what you'll need is two ounces of gin, half an ounce of island pucker, half an ounce of vermouth, and ice. It's very easy. You place all the ingredients in a shaker, shake, 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 strain into a martini glass. And what you'll have is a beautiful blue cocktail. Okay, so Nat will mention later about the decline of the species and its comeback story, but this cocktail goes out to Old Blue, who is the, the last, was the last remaining fertile bird of the species. This species typically lives for about four years, but she lived to be 14 and saved the species. The team of conservationists um, that was working on this case moved the remaining individuals to a different island and helped increase the annual number of clutches by removing the first clutch each year and placing them in the nest of tomtit birds, uh, which is known as cross-fostering. And this caused the black robins to lay another clutch and doubled their efforts. So there's a whole thing in there if you read further in about the whole conservation of the species, about the females laying eggs on the rims of nests and the researchers not catching on that they were changing the genetic distribution, which is fascinating and you should definitely read more if you're interested, but I won't go into it. So anyways, cheers to Old Blue and all your efforts in helping the species recover. There's actually a brand of gin distilled on the Chatham Islands in which proceeds go towards the conservation of the species, but it's not available in my liquor store. It's called the Black Robin Rare Bird Gin. Um, so definitely, if you get a chance, check that out. That would be the preferred gin for this cocktail. But uh, the one that I picked up is actually called Gray Whale Gin out of California. A portion of their proceeds actually go to helping protect our oceans. So... You know, I couldn't get the exact preferred thing, so I went out and got something else that contributes to conservation. So not exactly for the robins, but something for the whales, so that still makes me feel good about drinking. <laughs> so I hope you get a chance to try this cocktail. It's fruity, it's got that island in there, um, and it's something that's flavorful and honors this incredible species that you will learn more about. So sit back, grab a drink, and enjoy this chat with Nat. Well, thank you, Nat, for joining me for this episode of Women Birders Happy Hour. Would you please tell everyone who you are? Thanks, Hannah. I'm Nat Forsdick. I'm a bird nerd from New Zealand. Um, I'm currently uh, Vice President of Birds New Zealand Society, which is our National Ornithological Society. And I'm a researcher here in New Zealand at Manaki Whenua Landcare Research, which is a big crown research institute. And we get to do a lot of cool work. 
Well, that's awesome. So how long have you been birding and how did you get started birding? So it's a little bit of an interesting story. I went back to uni in 2016 to start a master's project working on Chatham Island black robins, which are one of the world's most endangered birds. In 1980, the population had dropped to only five individuals and there was only a single breeding female at the time. So since then, there's been a whole heap of amazing conservation work to make sure that the species survives and thrives to the best of its ability. And there's currently around somewhere between 250 and 300 birds out on the Chathams. So this was really, really cool. And my research was looking at using genetic tools to inform some of the conservation management. So we want to use genetics to be able to tell how well populations are doing. And one of the key things that we look at is something called genetic diversity, which is looking at how much diversity these species have, because diversity is really important to allow species to adapt to change. You can imagine that that's a big crucial thing right now. So this project had come about through the work of Mel Massaro, Mari Hale and Elena Chubranovska, along with a whole heap of amazing volunteers who'd gone out and collected blood samples and feather samples, and they'd gone and uh, banded many of the birds. Um, they recorded a big social pedigree, heaps of information there. So I had some great resources to work with for my project, but I never actually got to see the birds as part of my research because the Chathams are 400 k's off the east of mainland New Zealand, and they're not particularly accessible. So I never got to see them. But after my project had wrapped up, I saw an advert for a scholarship that was running with um, Heritage Expeditions. Heritage Expeditions is a tourist um, boat kind of company that runs, and they offer a trip called Birding Down South, which goes around many of New Zealand's subantarctic islands and takes a whole lot of people out every summer. So I saw this amazing scholarship opportunity and thought, I'm going to apply because one of the places it was going to was the Chatham Islands. And I thought, oh man, this could be my chance to go and see Chatham Island Black Robins. This would be amazing. And I was really lucky to get accepted and went out on this trip led by Rodney Russ. And there were five of us young women on the trip, which was pretty cool. And we had an amazing three weeks with a whole boatload of hardcore bird nerds who were really experienced. They knew their seabird IDs. They were having a blast. And I was just, you know, just learning, <laughs> just there with my bins and trying my best. And we went on, yeah, this amazing trip. And while I still never got to see Chatham Island Black Robins because we don't actually go to the islands that they live on, <laughs> I made some really amazing friends and had my eyes open to this amazing community of passionate, generous people. And that's where my birding story began. That's amazing. That's, that's a great story. Probably one of the best stories I've ever heard. <laughs> so, a little bit long, but... <laughs> all the best stories are. <laughs> so um, that species of robin, so are, does anybody live on those islands? Yeah, so the Chatham Islands are made up, it's a big archipelago, 
there's main Chatham, which is populated. There's, I think, around 600, 600 to 900 people that live out there. There's two wee schools out there. And then there's a couple of other islands um, that do have people living on them. But for the most part, they're sort of like big rocks in the ocean. So they're very inaccessible, very difficult to get to. Weather conditions are pretty rough. Wow. So it's those people that live on the island. Are they the ones that identified that the species is in decline? So I think it was part in part those people and also New Zealand's um, Wildlife Service, which is now called the Department of Conservation. Um, they had a whole heap of people out there doing surveys, looking at the wildlife, and they identified that the robins were having a really hard time of things. And they watched the population steadily decline in the few years before um, serious management took place. And that was amazing work from a guy called Don Merton and a, a big team of other people um, who recognized the problem and they decided to take the robins off the island that they were currently on and moved them to a different island in order to give them a better chance of survival. And they did a whole lot of work with collecting eggs and artificially incubating them and then making sure that, you know, they were surviving and doing their best and then putting them back out on the island. So amazing work, especially given how rough those islands are to, to get access to. And just one female left. That's amazing that they're at 200 individuals from that. Yeah, yeah, sure is. They're actually, they're not doing too bad. So... <laughs> <laughs> So what does a day of birding look like for you? So a day of birding looks a little bit different depending on where I'm going. So often I'll go out by myself, but often with friends as well. Um, we'll go out early in the morning. If we're going out to the forest, we'll head out with all our gear and a picnic and all the good things. Um, we'll head out walk for a couple of hours and along the way we'll be making a checklist we'll be counting what we see um, and this is really important because right now we're in the middle of uh, New Zealand's big nationwide bird census which is called the New Zealand Bird Atlas it's a five-year community science project um, run through the eBird platform so New Zealand's been divided up into grid squares all over the country and we're determined to try and get data from every grid square across every season, night and day counts, and try and get this really accurate representative survey of the New Zealand bird distribution and population um, stats at the moment. So yeah, whenever we go out, we've got our phones, we've got our charges, we're counting and recording everything that we see. So that's um, pretty much what it looks like. But I think Right now, my favorite kind of birding is shorebird counts, um, because right now I'm living in Auckland, which is like, it's called the city of sails. It's right on the water. There's heaps of amazing bird habitat around. Um, so you can go out and see, you know, 4,000 godwits at a time or a whole load of little banded dotterels. And, oh, it's just the <laughs> best time. That's super cool. Um, so has your birding been influenced by anyone, like books or documentaries? So I've been really fortunate since I started birding and that I've had a whole load of amazing women to look up to. So 
In 2017, after going on that amazing trip, I joined the Birds New Zealand Society and was sort of taken under the wing of our regional rep, Mary Thompson, down in Dunedin. And she is amazing. She's so encouraging. Um, she puts on a lot of different events for the region and gets people together. So we had an amazing time there. Um, I've also been lucky enough to stay in touch with the people that I went on that trip with. So I've got some amazing bird nerd friends like Eden Whitehead, who's an incredible photographer, at Giselle Clarkson, who absolutely loves nature and is fascinated by everything and does this amazing art, and Jackie Tizard, who's just out there doing everything and being so enthusiastic all the time. Um, and then within the society, I had um, a mentor that I really looked up to, Helen Taylor, who was a member of the society council when I first joined. And she was very driven to make sure that women, and especially young women, had a voice in the society and, you know, had these opportunities to go out birding, just like all the men were doing, basically. So, yeah, I've had an amazing cohort of female mentors that I've really looked up to and have made these amazing opportunities. But I'm also really grateful to the generosity of men who are involved in the society, of course. Um, there's David Laurie and Bruce McKinley, and they've been very generous with their time and like taking me out, showing me things, because I still feel like a bit of a novice. I'm still learning as I go. So being able to go out with more experienced people is massively beneficial. And then, of course, I'm, I'm grateful to all of the um, council members because they've, you know, taken the time to offer me mentorship and opportunities to really help me grow in the space. Well, it's amazing that they've been so considerate and, you know, allowing a space for, for young women to be a part of it and have their voices heard. That's incredible. I'm so glad you have that community that you can lean on if you need them. It's been incredible. And I think we just had our, um, we just recently had our national birds conference and we weren't able to have it last year, obviously, because of COVID, but this year we all got together and we had over 200 people come together to talk about birds and birding and bird research and just all things avian. And it really highlighted to me how many women are in this space that may not necessarily always be heard or recognized, but the majority, well, not the majority, but a lot of our members are women. And among the research talks that were presented, there were heaps of women who were presenting amazing research using, you know, cutting edge techniques and, you know, doing the hard work. And it was really inspiring to see. But I think now we need to make more spaces to allow them to have leadership opportunities in the community as well. Um, and I, I'm really keen to see this sort of develop across a regional scale here in New Zealand. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that progresses. Here's hoping. <laughs> So when you got off the boat and, you know, you had your binoculars and you were on there for, you said three weeks, right? <laughs> With yep. folks. And you're like, okay, I'm going to give this birding a try. Did you feel that you had the tools and resources that you needed to find places to go and what the birds are? I think so. So we've got 
a really great resource in the New Zealand Birds Online website, which is really great for bird ID. There's some really amazing Facebook groups out here that really help you. You can post a really janky looking photo and someone will help you work out what it was. Um, people are very active online in the community, which is really, really great. Um, we've also got some really good field guides and I always take my field guide with me every time I go up because there's always something where I'm like, now what was that? <laughs> um, and then there's a lot of help from, you know, people in your local region who are like, oh, I just heard about this particular bird that's been sighted off the coast here. So you should head out and see it. Yeah, people are very, very generous in terms of, you know, letting you know when there's something exciting to see. I, I know that there can be a lot of competition within the birding community, but I, I don't find that here. I think people just want to make sure that everyone is having a good time and everyone is on board and everyone has those opportunities. So are New, New Zealanders pretty like relaxed and laid back then? Yeah, I'd say for the most part, we're pretty chill. <laughs> <laughs> so what advice do you have for other women birders? Just get out there. <laughs> Be enthusiastic, ask questions, and try and get along with some of the more experienced birders. I've found that like the most beneficial thing when I go out. Um, yeah, if I have someone who knows, you know, everything, then it's, it's an amazing day out because you learn heaps and you have a great time. And yeah, it's just the best. So get in with your local community, ask those questions invite yourself along on trips. That's, that's my big, <laughs> big advice. Just get in there. That's great. So how can we as more experienced birders help those newer birders and create a better community? Yeah. So I think we really need to sort of stand up and highlight our fellow women birders in this space, like really shout about the cool stuff that they're doing you know, if they're taking amazing photos, then sharing those photos, telling people that they're doing awesome stuff. It's, it's all about lifting each other up at this stage, I think. Like, really, we've got the community, we've got the interest, we've got the people involved. Now let's highlight them. So I think, yeah, we should be taking those opportunities to celebrate each other and put ourselves out there. That's great advice. Uh, do you feel that you found your place in the birding community? I think so. So having just become vice president of the National Society, I feel like I've, I've definitely made my place, if not, if not had a place made for me. Um, and it's been really great because I feel more a part of the community nationally now than I did before. I'm at the stage where I've been part of the society for long enough that I know a lot of people nationally. I know who to reach out to about various things. And because I've had such good experiences as part of this community, I feel very much at home here now. But that is to say, I still feel an awful lot like an imposter a lot of the time because I'm not out there every weekend birding my work schedule doesn't really allow it. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't know every species that I come across. I, I can't ID everything in a split second. 
So it's still a learning opportunity for me. And my big thing this year is to make sure that I take the time to go birding and do a lot of birding activities because I don't want to get bogged down in the admin of things and not have the cool experiences to go along with it. So that's sort of where I'm aiming for this year. But I think it should work out. That's a great point. I never thought about like, you know, we talk about work-life balance and I've never thought about like work-life balance when it comes to birds because like Eric and I, you know, we are, we do a lot of podcasting and it takes, you know, a couple hours a week to do it. And by the time it's done, it's like, I don't have time to go birding. <laughs> I spend so much time talking and thinking about birds, but not actually going out and seeing them. <laughs> but yeah, like, that's, that's something I'm really worried about. Like. <laughs> If you don't make the time to go out there, then you you'll just be missing out on all the fun stuff. <laughs> so you've got to you've got to prioritize that. I think <laughs> that's what we're all here for is the birds. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so probably my most difficult question is, what has been your most memorable bird or birding experience? Yeah, this is really tough. Hmm. I still think it's that whole three weeks trip that we took to the Subantarctics. It was such a revelation and we saw so many species that I would never be able to see otherwise. We saw so many albatrosses, penguins. We went to some really inaccessible places. Oh, snipe. That might be one of my, my favorites. Seeing the Auckland Island snipe. That was that was pretty cool. But yeah, I feel like every time I go out birding, there's there's something new to see or some interesting behavior to observe or even just getting out there and enjoying the fresh air, even if you don't see anything, is still pretty great. And having just relatively recently finished a, a PhD, you know, it's it's hard to get back into feeling like a real person again. And I think one of the best ways is reconnecting with nature. So I feel grateful every time I go out. You know, you're so lucky you got off the boat and you had, you probably had dozens of species that most of us will never see. And now you got to go back and get all the common ones. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> it's pretty much like that. Yeah. One of the things I was chatting with one of my friends about just recently was running some sort of women's pelagic trip because I feel like seabird seabird birding is um, pretty male dominated here mm -hmm. and it would be really cool to run a, a women's trip where we all go out and have some of those sightings and opportunities because yeah there's a there's an awful lot of birds we saw out there that I would never see again so well, that's amazing. So if folks want to find out more about you, um, how could they get a hold of you? You know, what are your public handles? Yeah, you can hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Nat Forsdick. I'm always happy to chat. And otherwise, you can email me, natalieforsdick at gmail.com. Well, awesome. Do you have any last shout outs that you want to give? Oh, man. Too many. I have you already mentioned a ton of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> big shout out to Stephanie Galler for being super enthusiastic about all things and so kind and generous. Well, thank you, Nat, for joining me. It was so fun to talk with you. Thank you so much, Hannah. This has been great.
So thank you so much for Nat for joining me. It was a pleasure to talk with you and learn more about all the cool things that you've done and that's going on in New Zealand. And thank you all for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and maybe learned something. Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Music, and anywhere else you listen to me. If you'd like to connect with me on the socials, please follow me at Hannah Goes Birding on Instagram. My Twitter is at WomenBirdersHH, or you can email me at WomenBirders at gmail.com. I also have resources and information on GoBirdingPodcast.com. I hope you enjoyed this chat, and I look forward to seeing you in the next happy hour.